Greetings. Welcome to today's podcast, Bible College Curriculum, October 14th. That glorious name. Let's go ahead and pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ into our teachings. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. John fourteen thirteen, the Amplified Bible. And I will do... I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extol in through the Son. Amen. In Jesus' name, it's more than a phrase. We tack on the end of our prayers. All that God is and does is represented in the name of Jesus. The Amplified Bible says, when you ask in His name, you present your request to the Father on the basis of all that Jesus is, so that you can boldly expect to have those requests granted, not because you're worthy, but because He is. What's more, the name of Jesus carries authority over all other names. In Philippians 2, 9-11, the Apostle Paul tells us, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name that is named. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In spite of all the word of God has to say about the power of the name of Jesus, Most believers don't seem to put much stock in it. They'll pray in the name of Jesus, then turn right around and say, I sure hope God answers that prayer. They don't realize that if they only had the faith to believe it, Jesus' name alone carries enough clout to guarantee their prayers will be answered. They even let religious slang rob them of the power of using that name I heard many a well-meaning believer end his prayers with the phrase, for Jesus' sake. But Jesus didn't say to pray for his sake. He said to pray in his name. I used to make that mistake myself. One night I was praying because I was suffering from a stomachache. Oh, for Jesus' sake, I pray, heal my stomach. And I said that a few more times. The Lord spoke up on the inside of me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kenneth. He said, whose stomach is hurting here? Mine or yours? Mine, I answered. Then he very plainly said, in that case, pray for your stomach's sake in my name. Jesus' name. Dig into the word and find out just how much power and authority it really carries then use that power every time you pray. Stop hoping God will answer and start expecting Him 
to cause every circumstance in your life to bow his knee in honor of that glorious name. Amen. Scripture reading is John 16, 13 to 24. Let's go over there. 13 to 24. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live. You also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Verses 25 to 31. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again if you really love me. You would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Amen. And remember, verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And that peace I give as a gift the world cannot receive. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember, verse 28, what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. 
Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now, let's go ahead and jump to chapter 17. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we share before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them and in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. 
I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen and amen, in Jesus' name. Bible College Curriculum for October 15th, The Heart of the King. Proverbs 2.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water he turned it whithsoever he will. Proverbs 12.1 The New Living Testament says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Think about that for a moment. God has reserved the right to override the will of a nation's leader, if need be, to see that his people are governed according to his will. What's more, God will hear the prayer of any government leader, even if he is the worst reprobate in the whole world. He heard the prayer of O Nebuchadnezzar. Believe me, that means he'll listen to any leader. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon, and he was ungodly ruler of an ungodly nation. However, he's taken captives from the land of Judah. He has some of God's people under his authority, so God began to deal with him. Again and again, God warned him, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to lose your mind if you don't straighten up. And sure enough, he went just as crazy as he could be. He stayed that way for years also. Then one day he cried out to God and God heard him. Despite his status as a heathen king of a heathen nation, God intervened repeatedly in Nebuchadnezzar's life and heard him when he finally cried out for help. Why? Because he had God's people under his control. The same principle still holds true today. If we'll open the way through prayer, God will deal with our leaders. If we will humble ourselves in unity and pray, God can change the injustice and corruption that exists in our country, or any country for that matter. He'll change the hearts of everyone from the White House on down to make sure his children are governed justly. Make it a point to pray for our leaders today. Let's go ahead and pray for our leaders. Say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now let's go ahead and have a reading from Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the land. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. 
At last Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar, after my God, and the spirit of the holy God is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. While animals lived in the shade and birds nested in its branch, all the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, and loop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze, and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belzec Shasar, that was the dream that I... King Nebuchadnezzar had had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me, because the spirit of the holy God is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Daniel, Bethesheshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you, for you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heavens, and you rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bounded with a band of iron and bronze, and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dews of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. 
but the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, I please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk in the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majesty's splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time you will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High, and honor the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by doing these things? When my senate returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify the honor and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Even after a warning, Nebuchadnezzar did not change his lifestyle and give God the credit for his power. He went on for a year. The result was seven years of humiliating insanity. But God restored Nebuchadnezzar to the throne when the king turned toward heaven for deliverance. Nebuchadnezzar praised and honored God. He didn't curse him for his many years of madness. If we experience a painful setback, God is giving us a chance to change our ways. God will remove our suffering when we have learned the lessons he wants to teach us. Amen. Now for October 16th.
put patience to work. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Hebrews ten thirty five thirty six. In the New Living Testament, it says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Amen. Most of us have distorted ideas about patience. We think of it as something designed to help us suffer failure gracefully. But according to the scripture, it will actually put us on the path to success. Patience or being consistently constant is the power twin of faith. Work, they work together to see to it that the promises of God are fulfilled in your life. Say, for example, you need a job. You can go to the word and see clearly that God Promises to provide your needs. You can see he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Once you see that, faith takes hold of you and shout, Hallelujah, I got the job I need. I am being prosperous. I am very fortunate. But what happens to that faith tomorrow morning when you go to three interviews and get turned down all three times? Then what? That's when patience has to take over. Less when you have to make a decision to stay constant, to act as if nothing's changed. The truth is, if you base your confidence on the Word of God, nothing has changed. It says exactly the same thing it said yesterday. So if you put patience to work, you'll know what you're going to say after those three unsuccessful job interviews. You're going to say, Hallelujah, I got the job I need, just like you did before. You see, faith opens the door to God's promises for you, and patience keeps it open until that promise is fulfilled. You see, faith opens the door to God's promise for you again, and patience keeps it open until that promise is fulfilled. Do you have your faith sights set on a promise of God today? A promise you've been waiting on for some time? Don't let that delay discourage you. Put patience to work. The word guarantees you will receive your reward. Reading is scripture, Hebrews 6, 10 through 15. Hebrews 6, 10 through 15. Amen and amen. Here we are. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Amen and amen.
For example, there was God's promises to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by. God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Amen and amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming on to these readings. May God bless you exceedingly abundantly, above all that you may ask or think. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen. Welcome to today's podcast, Bible College Curriculum, October 14th, that glorious name. Let's go ahead and pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ into our teachings. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. John fourteen thirteen, the Amplified Bible. And I will do... I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extol in through the Son. Amen. In Jesus' name, it's more than a phrase we tack on the end of our prayers. All that God is and does is represented in the name of Jesus. The Amplified Bible says, when you ask in His name, you present your request to the Father on the basis of all that Jesus is, so that you can boldly expect to have those requests granted. Not because you're worthy, but because He is. What's more, the name of Jesus carries authority over all other names. In Philippians 2, 9-11, the Apostle Paul tells us, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name that is named. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In spite of all the word of God has to say about the power of the name of Jesus, most believers don't seem to put much stock in it. They'll pray in the name of Jesus, then turn right around and say, I sure hope God answers that prayer. They don't realize that if they only had the faith to believe it, Jesus' name alone carries enough clout to guarantee their prayers will be answered. They even let religious slang rob them of the power of using that name, I heard many a well-meaning believer end his prayers with the phrase, for Jesus' sake. But Jesus didn't say to pray for his sake. He said to pray in his name. I used to make that mistake myself. 
One night I was praying because I was suffering from a stomach ache. Oh, for Jesus' sake, I pray, heal my stomach. And I said that a few more times. The Lord spoke up on the inside of me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kenneth. He said, whose stomach is hurting here? Mine or yours? Mine, I answered. Then he very plainly said, in that case, pray for your stomach's sake. In my name, Jesus' name, dig into the word and find out just how much power and authority it really carries. Then use that power every time you pray. Stop hoping God will answer and start expecting him to cause every circumstance in your life to bow his knee in honor of that glorious name. Amen. Scripture reading is John 16, 13 to 24. Let's go over there. 13 to 24. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Verses 25 to 31. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. 
He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Amen. And remember, verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And that peace I give as a gift the world cannot receive. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember, verse 28, what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now, let's go ahead and jump to chapter 17. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work he gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we share before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them and in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, 
and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen and amen, in Jesus' name. Bible College Curriculum for October 15th. The heart of the king. Proverbs 2.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turned it whithsoever he will. Proverbs 12.1 The New Living Testament says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Think about that for a moment. God has reserved the right to override the will of a nation's leader, if need be, to see that his people are governed according to his will. What's more, God will hear the prayer of any government leader, even if he is the worst reprobate in the whole world. He heard the prayer of O Nebuchadnezzar. Believe me, that means he'll listen to any leader. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon, he was ungodly ruler of an ungodly nation. However, he's taken captives from the land of Judah. He has some of God's people under his authority, so God began to deal with him. Again and again, God warned him, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to lose your mind if you don't straighten up. And sure enough, he went just as crazy as he could be. He stayed that way for years also. Then one day he cried out to God and God heard him. Despite his status as a heathen king of a heathen nation, God intervened repeatedly in Nebuchadnezzar's life and heard him when he finally cried out for help. Why? Because he had God's people under his control. The same principle still holds true today. If we'll open the way through prayer, God will deal with our leaders. If we will humble ourselves in unity and pray, God can change the injustice and corruption that exists in our country, or any country for that matter. He'll change the hearts of everyone from the White House on down to make sure his children are governed justly. Make it a point to pray for our leaders today. Let's go ahead and pray for our leaders. Say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now let's go ahead and have a reading from Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the land. 
peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how powerful His wonders. His kingdom will last forever. His rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar, after my God, and the spirit of the holy God is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. While animals lived in the shade and birds nested in its branch, all the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, and loop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze, and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belsuch Shasar, that was the dream that I... King Nebuchadnezzar had had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy God is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Daniel, Bethesheshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you, for you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heavens, and you rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, 
but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound it with a band of iron and bronze, and surround it by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dews of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, I please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk in the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majesty's splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time you will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High, and honor the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by doing these things? When my senate returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify the honor and honor the King of Heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. 
Even after a warning, Nebuchadnezzar did not change his lifestyle and give God the credit for his power. He went on for a year. The result was seven years of humiliating insanity. But God restored Nebuchadnezzar to the throne when the king turned toward heaven for deliverance. Nebuchadnezzar praised and honored God. He didn't curse him for his many years of madness. If we experience a painful setback, God is giving us a chance to change our ways. God will remove our suffering when we have learned the lessons he wants to teach us. Amen. Now for October 16th. Put patience to work. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Hebrews 10, 35-36. In the New Living Testament, it says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. Amen. Most of us have distorted ideas about patience. We think of it as something designed to help us suffer failure gracefully. But according to the scripture, it will actually put us on the path to success. Patience or being consistently constant is the power twin of faith. Work, they work together to see to it that the promises of God are fulfilled in your life. Say, for example, you need a job. You can go to the Word and see clearly that God promises to provide your needs. You can see He takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Once you see that, faith takes hold of you and shout, Hallelujah! I got the job I need. I am being prosperous. I am very fortunate. But what happens to that faith tomorrow morning when you go to three interviews and get turned down all three times, then what? That's when patience has to take over. That's when you have to make a decision to stay constant, to act as if nothing's changed. The truth is, if you base your confidence on the Word of God, nothing has changed. It says exactly the same thing it said yesterday. So if you put patience to work, you'll know what you're going to say after those three unsuccessful job interviews. You're going to say, Hallelujah, I got the job I need, just like you did before. You see, faith opens the door to God's promises for you, and patience keeps it open until that promise is fulfilled. You see, faith opens the door to God's promise for you again, and patience keeps it open until that promise is fulfilled. Do you have your faith sights set on a promise of God today? A promise you've been waiting on for some time? Don't let that delay discourage you. Put patience to work. The Word guarantees you will receive your reward. Reading a scripture, Hebrews 6, 10 through 15. Hebrews 6, 10 through 15. Amen and amen.
Here we are. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Amen and amen. For example, there was God's promises to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Amen and amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming on today's readings. May God bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you may ask or think. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.